Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and today we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. So, let's go ahead and let's go right in. Uh, let's read chapter 2, let's start in verse 6, and we're going to read on all the way until verse 15. The word of the Lord says this, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rules, the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. All right. So let's go back to verse 8 because that's where... Uh, we're going to start. That's what we're going to see. So it says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive, right? So when he says see to it, he basically means be on guard, be watchful. Why is that? It says that no one takes you captive, right? And for someone to take you captive, it's uh, what comes to mind is kidnapping, right? Let no one kidnap you. How? What is their, uh, their method in kidnapping? Well, it's by using philosophy, it says, and empty deceit. See to it that no one takes you captive. When it says take you captive... Uh, it could also mean carry off as spoil, right? Or to plunder. It gives this idea that do not let one plunder you. Take you captive. How? By philosophy and empty deceit. And this 
word philosophy, it's ultimately speaking the way of a specific teaching, whereas they get these teachings from the world and not necessarily from one who has authority, right? So, uh, for instance, the Pharisees and the Sadducees could be both into this uh this word philosophy, right? They could also be, uh, in the ancient context, philosophers. Even magicians could be put in this category of uh, philosophy. So these people, they are teaching by way of what it says according to human tradition. And that's ultimately what it was. It was their humanly tradition that has no basis, has no absolute standard by which they can call what they were teaching right or wrong uh, because it's not coming from God, as it says here, because Paul is mentioning it to the Colossians that see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, by these kinds of teachings. And it also says empty deceit or vain deception, right? vain, empty, uh, without substance, right? So these are philosophies and teachings that are, that can lead people astray if they're not firm in their foundation or on their foundation, right? And we know that our foundation is Christ. And these Colossians, they are afraid, afraid of Persecution, but not only that, of false teachers. And that's ultimately what Paul is getting at here. He's calling out the false teachers and he's saying, be weary of these people because they're going to speak to you in such a way that it sounds good. It sounds pleasing to the ear. But ultimately, if we trace it back to scripture, if we take it back to God's word, uh, it's nowhere to be found, which is why he says, see to it, be on guard, be watchful. That no one kidnaps you. That no one takes you captive uh, by these traditions. Because it says, according to human tradition. Right? And also, going back on that takes you captive. uh, Another translation could be said of this. Made a victim by fraud. Made a victim by fraud. So, remember that as we continue going forward. Because it keeps saying, according to the elemental spirits of the world. So again, this isn't coming from God. It's coming from the creatures, the the world, the created. Ultimately speaking about the fundamental principles of pagan religion. Uh, yeah. So, so that is where all... These are the means that these false teachers are using uh, to take captive... Of even those who are Christians. And I would say Christians who are not mature. In a sense that these Christians, they are in the faith, but not firm in the faith. Right? So these are, uh, I would say, new believers. Those who can be easily swayed. And Paul is basically ultimately saying here, uh, be weary because these false teachers are out there to deceive the people through their philosophies. But these philosophies are according to human tradition, uh, not necessarily according to God's word that is eternal. 
Uh, these philosophies and empty deceits or vain deceptions are coming from the elemental spirits of the world, right? The fundamental principles of pagan religion. And not according to Christ, right? So we have to remember this is a letter without chapter breaks and verses, right? So when Paul wrote Colossians, he wrote chapter 1 before he wrote chapter 2, obviously, and what do we know already, right? So we have to go back to chapter 1. What do we know already? Well, Paul gives a full-on in-depth theology of the person of Christ and more on who he is, right? God in the flesh, uh, the sustainer of the universe, the creator of all things, the head of the church, the first to resurrect to never die again. Uh, the one who is reconciling all things to himself through the blood of his cross. Right, we're speaking of Christ here. He gives the reasoning why the gospel is beneficial. Paul is telling us and telling these Colossians the mystery that is revealed who is Christ. And not only that, he also mentions that in Christ is hidden all knowledge and wisdom. All knowledge, right? Not some knowledge or a bit of knowledge or even three-fourths of knowledge. Uh, no, it says of all knowledge and wisdom is in Christ. So if that is the case, then these human traditions, these elemental spirits of the world who are trying to bring in these philosophies... Um, and these empty deceptions, we can easily fight off. Why is that? Because of Christ and because we are in him. Look at what it says in verse 9. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So Paul is again getting back to the fact that in Christ, all that which is God resides in the Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth. And what he is not saying is that the triune Godhead is in Jesus. No, no. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, right? We have to make that distinction, right? Uh, because scripture does not teach modalism, but instead scripture teaches Trinitarianism, which is where the Father is God, the Son is is God and the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit is not the Son and the Son is not the Father and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. So we have to make that distinction to understand that in Him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity, so basically all that which is God, uh, dwells bodily, it resides in the Son of God, right? So Christ is the visible expression of God. Uh, let's, let's take a recap. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 1, right? Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. And it says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, 
all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So this is the Christ in whom we know. This is the Christ in whom, as verse 10 says of Colossians chapter 2, and you have been filled in him. Right? So not only in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Um, we know now, as it says here, that you... Right in context, speaking of these uh, Colossians, they have been filled in him. And us as well, put it into application, that us as well, we have been filled in him. Right? And this is the past tense filled in him. Right? Have been filled. Right? We're not being filled in him. No, we have been filled in him. And who is the him? Well, who is the head of all rule and authority? Right? So, for it to say, for Paul to write down here, who is the head of all rule and authority, is to say that Christ is on top as chief of all rule and authority. This here gives us, and in context, the Colossians, an encouragement in understanding that Christ is all we need as we live our lives in a world filled with false teachers, attempting to deceive the people. But as it says, you have been filled in Him. That is to say that Christ is all sufficient. That is to say that we find perfect standing in Him. Right? That is amazing. And going back here and reading through Colossians and understanding uh, what is happening, what's going on, there's false teachers deceiving the people using their own philosophies, using their own human traditions, uh, using the, uh, the teachings of the elemental spirits of the world. Right? Trying to deceive and trying to show that there is truth found outside of God. And what Paul is ultimately saying is, no, that is not the case. And actually, it's the other way around. If you don't have Christ, then you don't have any basis upon which you can call anything right, anything wrong. You have no basis into saying this is truth apart from God. And Paul is saying, and we have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. And not only that, in verse 9, right? We can't, we can't forget about verse 9. Because verse 9, it makes the mention that for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And that is to say the creator of the universe, the creator of all these people 
who are creating these human traditions and saying that this is truth. Uh, ultimately, we can find truth because in Christ is all knowledge and wisdom and he is above all rule and authority. Uh, he is God. He is the I am as mentioned in scripture. Christ is all sufficient and perfect standing is found in him. So we don't need empty deceit and philosophies of this world uh, to, to gain a kind of knowledge that we already have in Christ. Now, we must seek his word, obviously, because that is the way in which God sanctifies his people, is through his word, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and causes us to turn to Christ for the salvation of our souls, and we are to be a continuing, repenting people because that's ultimately what God is after, that we may be sanctified. We may be more made more like Christ. So if we don't know Christ's word, then are we actually being like Christ? Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. He, he makes a mention on Christ being the head of all rule and authority and us being filled in him. It is to say that we are, one, complete without the aid of Jewish ceremony. Two, complete without the help of philosophy. Three, complete without the inventions of superstition. And four, complete without human merit. And that is what we call grace. By God's grace... There is no need for the sacrificial system because ultimately what that was pointing to, it, it was pointing to Jesus Christ being the ultimate sacrificial lamb that was put on a cross for the sins of his people and that everyone who puts their faith in him and repents from their sins will have eternal life, will be saved, will be spared from the wrath of God. Because Jesus took upon himself the wrath that was supposed to fall on us as Christians. And if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, I would say repent from your sins. I would say scripture calls us, God calls us to repentance and to put our faith in Christ. To understand the reasoning why Jesus had to die in the first place for us why he was put on a, a cross that was meant to shame those who have committed a crime. But Jesus committed no crime. But as scripture says, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So he who knew no sin, God made him to be sin on our behalf so that we sinners could be made the righteousness of God. So you see, there's that double imputation that what is imputed to Christ was our sins and was imputed to us is his righteousness. As Martin Luther calls it, we have received an alien righteousness, right? A righteousness that is not of our own. And praise God for that, because if I tried to achieve ultimate 
or to be ultimately righteous, uh, I will never get there. None of us will ever get there. Why? Because we have already fallen. Uh, scripture says that we all have fallen short from the glory of God. And if that is the case, there is no way to come back because we are tainted. Uh, and that is why, as Spurgeon puts it, that we are complete because Christ is sufficient. We are complete without the aid of Jewish ceremony. And then he also says, complete without the help of philosophy. Right? There is nothing that this world can tell us that could bring us to being found in perfect standing in Christ or in God. Right? There isn't. Because ultimately the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, as it says in Romans 1.16. So, so if that is the case, this world can tell me nothing that is beneficial to me and my salvation. He says, complete without the inventions of superstition, right? What good is a superstition if it's a superstition, right? It's not really true. Eh, these are just traditions that have been passed down and we've done it because our ancestors have been doing it. So, does that make it true? Well, where do we find truth? Right Now we're asking these philosophical questions that ultimately bring us back to God's word, where it should. And if God hasn't said it in his word, then no, it's not. Right? Because ultimately, what God has given us, according to his special revelation, which is the word of God, it is enough to have us understand that Christ is all-sufficient again and that we can be found in perfect standing in him. Because it is the gospel that brings us to God. It is what Christ has done on a cross and us putting our faith in that Christ and that Messiah, right? In that one who was sinless yet died on the cross, the one who yelled out, it is finished on the cross, right? What is finished? Well, it is as if he drank the cup of wrath to the last drop and then he tilted the cup over and there was not a drop left. And Jesus said, it is finished. I took care of it. And that is the Christ in whom we put our trust in. The one that not only died on the cross, but he was buried for three days and on the third day he rose from the grave. And now he is seated at the right hand of God. And he will return. Right? Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians, right? So Paul wrote two letters to the Corinthians. Well, some say he wrote three letters, but two were canonized. Um, Corinthians, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at what it says. I'm going to read from 15 verse 20 and on. So it says this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
I love how Paul mentions the believers who've died in this life. He calls them asleep. He doesn't call them dead. Um, and that is because we are in Christ. Um, and of those who have fallen asleep are those who are to be found in Christ. And it says, verse 21, For as by a man came death, which is Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead, that is, Jesus. Verse 22, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. You see that? Jesus, well, it says here that Jesus is destroying every rule and every authority and power on this earth. Verse 25, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. So that is what the Lord is doing now. God is putting all of his enemies under his feet. And note this, we were once enemies until we came to Christ. We were God's enemies and then we were made alive in Christ. And in doing so, God has put an enemy under his feet. Right? You were once an enemy, now you're not. Therefore, you're the enemy that was in you. Uh, Christ has put under his feet by bringing you to life. And no longer are you an enemy, but you're a friend of God. A friend of Christ. Right? A son of God or a daughter of God. Verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So, Scripture says that he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Verse 27, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. Speaking of Christ. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. It says, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjection to him, the son himself will also be subjected to subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. That is what the Lord is doing now. He's making these enemies no longer his enemies. He's putting these enemies under his feet as the gospel is proclaimed and more and more people come to Christ because those apart from Christ are enemies of Christ, are enemies of God. As scripture says, we are at enmity with him apart from Christ. So, as God calls, He says, repent and believe in the gospel and you will be saved. 
right? We must proclaim that Jesus Christ is kurios, is Lord, right? Understand that Christ is God in the flesh, and in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, as it says back in Colossians. And not only that, right? So just to give a brief understanding, in order for us to be saved, a person has to die on our, our behalf, right? But not only that, right? Not only that. The only person who can suffer the wrath of God and survive is God himself. Just remember that or think of that. Reflect on that. And then reflect on who is Christ. He is God in the flesh. Because it is only him who can suffer, who can take on the wrath of God and survive. Right? That's, that's what he did. It's that hypostatic union. Right? In order for him to atone for us, in order for God to atone for us, he has to take on flesh. So that he can be our representative. Right? We were all born in Adam, therefore we all die. But in Christ, we shall be made alive because Jesus is the God-man. So, whenever he suffers the wrath of God, whenever he takes on the wrath of God that was supposed to fall on us, he can survive it because he is God. He is the sinless one. So... He is the one in whom we put our trust in. We should put our trust in. And do not let the false teachers teach you otherwise that you can find truth in movies. You can find truth in TV shows. You can find truth in anywhere in this world that is not the word of God. Instead, be submersed in God's word because it is alive and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It cuts down through bone and marrow. That is to say it exposes that which is not exposed or seen, that which is hidden. And what is hidden? Our sin. We suppress the knowledge of God in our unrighteousness that we claim to be wise, but yet, we're fools apart from God, right? Those who are not in Christ. But instead, all knowledge and wisdom is found in Christ. Then what are we doing not reading his word? You may ask for wisdom. And you may ask people to pray for you for wisdom. But if you're not searching God's word for wisdom, let me ask you, are you going to gain anything? So I'd say search Christ as you search his word, gain wisdom, and let that drive you to a full-on doxology, right? Which is a, a fancy word, fancy way of saying uh, the teachings of worship, right? Doxologies to bring praise to God. So search Christ as you search his word and be filled with his word. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.